uh, talking about my alter ego, this new series, what I'm really excited about is the characters that we're going to be going over. Um, and now look, I, I'm, I'm not trying to make a, uh, any kind of persuasion to, to like superhero movies or anything like that. I personally really enjoyed the last Marvel movies that have been coming out the last decade or so. Um, but we, uh, this series, we're talking about my alter ego. We're going to look how specific characters relate to our lives and our personalities. And it's way more than just the idea of uh, behind the mask. It's, it's the individual, the person. This week, today, we're talking about Captain America. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Iron Man. The third week, we're going to talk about Deadpool. And so that's even more enticing because he's the anti-hero, right? He's the rated R movie character. So if you're really interested, that's a good good week to start. And then we're going to just end the the series on DC by going to Superman. And Superman is actually my uh, most anticipated um, sermon to preach. Uh, It's a... I don't want to even say anything because I don't want to give anything away, but it's going to be a really exciting series. And as we talk about today's message, Captain America, I want to ask this question to start off. Have you ever felt overlooked? Have you ever felt overlooked? Should you think about that question for a second? And as we start with Captain America... We're going to look at how we can see God's power move through our lives. And everyone carries with them different sets of identities. Talking about this whole series. In fact, it is rather difficult to be the same person to every person or group. These alter egos that we carry fit different areas and needs in life and the world. With many alternate versions of ourselves, the hero version of ourselves is most extraordinary. With, the in, with that inner desire for greatness and a desire to make a difference, we make ourselves miniature heroes to feel better about not being the superhero we would like to be. As we look specifically at Captain America, or more so Steve Rogers, the, the person behind Captain America's mask, We will compare some aspects of the comic book character to our own lives in order to get a new perspective on how similar we really are to the hero. So just a little backstory uh, about Captain America. His real name is Steve Rogers. If you've ever seen the movies, I'm going to go based off the movies because I never read the comic books. Um, So if you're a comic book fan and you're one of those people that say, it's not like the comic book, I don't like it, then I'm going to upset you this whole series. Um, but the way the movie goes, the, the character, Steve Rogers, is a scrawny little kid that wants to make a difference. He wants to join the military and do his part for his country, but he's just too, he's too scrawny, he's too small, just not qualified to, to be in the military. It's not, he has a heart for it, has a passion, but just not, uh, not at all the person he needs to be on the outside. And... He ends up, uh, through certain opportunity, is willing to trust a mad scientist to do testing on him. And it, one might look at it as an undertone for promoting steroids, but we won't look at it like that. 
uh, he ends up uh, going through this experimentation. And when he comes out, he's this huge hunk, uh, super buff, has super strength. But what doesn't change is his heart. Um, and before we go into more of Steve Rogers, Captain America, I want to read this verse. It's one of my favorite verses of the Bible, and it's Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. You guys ready for this? Y'all ready? Yeah. <laughs> this is in the book of Isaiah, and it says, It was in the year King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings, with two wings that covered their faces, with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. So stop there real quick and imagine that scenario. <laughs> They're so loud that it's shaking the entire building. Anyone have someone park outside their apartment building before or their house that's playing music way too loud and waking up your baby till one o'clock in the morning? <laughs> that was us last night. <laughs> it, it shakes the entire room. And these are just these angelic beings yelling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, imagine how terrifying that would be. These creatures that look so like literally awesome and intimidating and they're, when they yell, when they uh, sing, that shakes the very building that they're in. And so it only makes sense that right after that, Isaiah says, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man and I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. I have so much self-doubt, so much insecurity. It's like, there's no way I'm going to get past this. I'm so unqualified as a person to be in the presence of such great spiritual things. You ever uh, thought about going to church, but you thought the building might burn down? <laughs> you know somebody that you thought if they go that the building might go down? <laughs> and then it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal, he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, the coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. I love that part of the verse, that ending right there. Because it shows... These angels just come and touch his lips with the hot coal. And all of a sudden he feels more qualified. Nothing really changed about him besides a touch from God. It was just a simple touch from God that gave him this new identity, this new willingness to accept a call that he didn't feel qualified to take before. And that last part that says, here I am, send me. Man, that's like the most amazing scripture that touches my heart. Here I am, send me. Because a lot of times we think that 
If there is a call, there's no way God wants me to go. There's no way God could use someone like me. I'm a filthy person. I'm not righteous enough. There's no way I could even be compared to holiness. I'm just so messed up. And here God is saying, who can go? Anyone. Somebody. Stand up. And after he has a touch from God, says, okay, here I am. Send me. And it makes you wonder, is it really that simple? Is it really that simple? Let's go back to Steve Rogers. Ambitious, but unqualified. Ambitious, but unqualified. Steve Rogers starts out with a great desire to make a difference, but doesn't have the body or power to do it. It is only when he put in his trust in someone and made himself available that he was able to receive super abilities. I feel like we relate to Steve Rogers, Captain America, so much because we want to be Captain America. We want to do something great. We want to do something super, but we're, our lives are so empty and weak. Yet we find ways to cope with the suffocating dissatisfaction of lesser rather than greater. Each of us have that desire to do something significant, something greater. And that's usually what we have this idea that we can't do it. We go to everything of this world to cope. What I described as being a suffocating dissatisfaction. It's where you can be okay with it as long as I go out every weekend. I can be okay with it as long as I'm with somebody, if I'm in a relationship, I would be okay with it. I could be okay with it if I just zone out on video games. I could be okay with it as long as I can cheer for a football team. I could be okay with it if I just have kids and live out my dreams through them. I could be okay with it if I do this, if I do that. Yet when we trust and surrender in the Holy Spirit of God, the greatness within us is able to manifest. There is an obvious change that brings, distinction, that brings distinction of a before and after a touch from God. It's when we give God our availability that He gives us the ability. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And looking at Steve Rogers, so we're talking about Captain America, right? When we look at him, he had nothing within him to do what he really wanted to do. Just like a lot of us. We don't have anything significantly too great about us that makes us stick out of a crowd. And yet when he trusted this weird thing that he didn't understand, he was able to experience the manifestation of that greatness in his heart that he desired to show on the outside. And see, I feel like the reason we relate so much is because some of the things of God are kind of weird. It almost feels like an experimentation, doesn't it? You're like trying God out. You ever hear someone say, I'm trying the whole church thing out? You're experimenting. You're doing something kind of weird out of your nature. And then when you get really involved, with, especially at certain churches, it can get like super weird. It can get super duper weird. I remember the first time I was, uh, went to a church where people were speaking in tongues, I was totally weirded out. 
I was like, well, I do want God, but this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So these people are obviously crazy. It's, I just was able to, my first experience at church, and I was able to look at something uh, supposedly spiritual and say, no, that's just crazy. It's not really spiritual. Isn't that funny how we can uh, be first-time critics? <laughs> first time at church, like, oh, that's not how it should be done. Like, man, you just got here. <laughs> I can only imagine what people thought of me. I was like, oh, no, I know how it is. This isn't, this isn't right. I didn't even know that Psalms was pronounced like Psalms. The book of Psalms, I, I would call it Palms. I didn't know what I was talking about. I never even read the Bible before. I didn't even know there's different books in the Bible. And here I am, never read the Bible all the way through, and I'm so quick to throw a stone at people trying to acts right they're just pretending to be spiritual oh no they're just they don't really do that it wasn't until i felt the holy spirit continuing to nudge me saying like don't you want those superpowers (laughs) don't you want something greater rather than just going to church well yeah i do god that's the whole reason why i started this journey so then why don't you be a little more open-minded why don't you see for yourself if, if these weird things are actually possibilities? And I remember I, I read through the Bible. I read through Acts. I'd learn about speaking in tongues and things like that. And I was still just like, I don't really fully understand this. Kind of like how this movie goes. He doesn't really fully understand what's going to happen if he goes through the experiment. And so I said, well, God, if, if it's going to bring me closer to you, then I'll try it. And I remember in my living, uh, my living room, my bedroom, the door shut, as quiet as I could be because I didn't want anyone else to hear me. I remember getting on my knees and I said, God, if this Holy Spirit thing, if this speaking in tongues thing is for real, it is going to bring me closer to you. As weird as it is, I want it. And I remember I kind of didn't really know what to do from there. It's not like a cloud came down and said, Behold! You now have the gift. <laughs> I just say, well, maybe I'll just try this thing like in faith. I'll just like act like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so I was just sitting on my knees. And even with no one around, I still felt embarrassed. It's a devil. <laughs> even with no one around, I still felt embarrassed. And I just said, ah, ba, ba, ba. I heard someone make those noises before. <laughs> and I remember I felt this like rushing of the Holy Spirit over my soul, over my body. And no one changed the AC in the house either. (laughs) I felt the Holy Spirit so good, so satisfying. I felt this peace. I felt a joy. And I remember I was like, whoa. And I said, ah, bah, bah, bah. (laughs) From that moment on, I started believing in, in the spiritual things of God. I started believing that maybe some of these weird things are, are actually super things instead. There's more to God than just a Sunday. There's more to God even than just a Bible verse on a coffee mug. That there's more to God than just being nice to other people. That there's actually a power, a spiritual power for my spiritual being. This desire that I have for a greater purpose, this 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 thing inside of me that just is wanting to experience something truly amazing, 
that I'm able to access it when I simply make myself available to God. Y'all dig what I'm saying? But it takes a little bit of trust. You got to allow the mad scientists of the Holy Spirit to work on you, right? <laughs> you got to be willing to trust whatever is going to happen. Just know that even though this seems like a sick, twisted, scientific joke, <laughs> maybe God does have a plan at the end of all this. Let me read this verse real quick about David. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 through 33 says, David is talking. David is the second king of Israel, but this is before he was a king. This is when he was just a young person. And this is when he was right about to go and face Goliath, a giant that had six fingers on each hand and toes. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous. Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. You know, ending on this idea of being ambitious but unqualified. David here has this desire to do something great. No one else is willing to say, here I am, send me. And he comes up to the plate and say, hey, look, I'm just a scrawny little kid. But... I believe that if I make myself available to go against this guy, he's talking way too much smack about our God for God to not empower me to make a difference. And what is that? Like, that sounds like a great little faith story in the Bible, but how come we don't believe it in modern day time? We can read a Bible story and be like, wow, that's just nice. That's so nice. But what about today? Why, why is it that when we think about stepping in faith, we look at it as just not thinking something through? When we moved here to start a church, there's a lot of people that uh, were supportive, like, wow, that's just nice. That's like a nice little Bible story. And there's some other people that were actually smart, and they're like, that's stupid. What are you doing? You're way too young to start a church, and you don't, you're not going to do anything and say, so are you going to at least promote and market and and send out letters to different churches to, so that you have a church when you go? Well, no, I don't really feel like God wants us to do it that way. We're going to just show up and get people that already, don't already go to a church to come to our church. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Moron. And I remember it was so confusing because I, we kept taking so many steps of faith and getting over here. And so many people of faith were, were telling us that this was like way too big to handle. I remember one person's advice to me was to just quit this whole church thing and go serve at another established church. Just give it up. And I remember just thinking, shoot, am I the only idiot that's actually believing what they talk about in church? I, it's like people were telling me like, no, 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 you're not really supposed to believe that stuff. That's just for the offering call. We just say act in faith and stuff to get a bigger offering. You're not really supposed to live it out past that. See, it's what if your faith actually scared you a little bit? What if your faith was almost intimidating? More than just like, oh, well, I want to invite this person to church, but what if they say no? What if you start past, uh, making your faith a little bit more than that? Y'all get what I'm saying here? What I'm saying is that we, we have this potential of a superhero faith 
but we're so afraid to go through the experiment. We're so afraid to make ourselves available, and then we're left feeling so confused, like, well, why didn't God give me the ability? He didn't need to because you didn't, you didn't need any faith. You planned everything out to be completely in your control. He didn't need to give you any special abilities. Y'all get what I'm saying? It's like if Steve Rogers just decided not to do what he really dreamt of doing or what he really felt like he wanted to do and just became an accountant. He would have probably been a really good accountant. (laughs) But no, he wanted to do the thing he couldn't do. So maybe for you, there's something on the inside of you that says, no, you can't. But yet you have an ambition that says, I have to. See, in order to really push through that doubt, that unqualification, you have to be relentless. But often when you're relentless, you're unseen. Relentless, but unseen. Steve Rogers is also known for being a relentless and sticking up for himself and others against bullies, tyranny, and wrongdoing. His catchphrase is usually quoted as such, a bully shouting, stay down, and the cap, getting back up from the floor saying, I can do this all day. The very first movie, when he was still just a scrawny little kid, he's getting beat up in the alleyway and the bullies push him down into some garbage and say, just stay down, kid. And as they turn around, it's like a dramatic movie scene. He gets back up, barely standing, says, I can do this all day. Shows the heart and relentlessness that he had. And no matter how many times things didn't work out, no matter how many times he fell down, he's willing to get back up. And even when he, he, uh, you follow him in the movie Captain America Civil War, he believes that the whole, the whole business of the Sokovia Accords, getting like really nerdy right now. <laughs> he thinks that this whole contract that the United Nations made is, is tyranny and not freedom of the people, thinks that it's more like constraints rather than true freedom. And so he ends up going against his friend, Tony Stark, Iron Man, and he ends up going on the lamb. And when they're fighting at the end of the movie, Iron Man having a whole suit of armor, Captain America, he just has his abilities. He doesn't have really much more than that. Tony Stark is just wailing on him, beating him up, There's a point in the movie where Iron Man says, just stay down. And he gets back up with his abilities, stumbling. He says, I could do this all day. And see, oftentimes we look at our destiny, our lives as thinking, well, whenever I'm able to, that's when I'll really start doing something. It's like you ever think of, Whenever I win the lottery, that's when I'll start giving to others. <laughs> Whenever I'm like in a secure place financially or in my career, that's when I'll get married. You know, we, we think of all these things. Well, if life is completely perfect and uh, nothing changes from this point forward, and then I'll be okay. And then that's when I'll start following after God. Maybe on my deathbed, after I live a life, whatever way I want, then I'll look at surrendering my heart to God so that way I won't go to hell. But what's so interesting to me about 
this Captain America person is that when he was little, when he had nothing, he was willing to be relentless. And I believe that it's when we have little is how we are going to act when we have much. With no abilities, he was relentless. And he was available to stand up for what he believed in. And when he had all of the abilities, because of what he did when he had nothing, it caused him to make the right decisions when he had something. The Bible says that when you're faithful with little, you will be faithful with much. But if you can't even be faithful with little, why would God give you much? So many times we're just waiting for everything to be perfect and we're not willing to try. I, I think about when me and my wife got married, most, uh, most Christian adults in our lives, a lot of them would tell us, well, you're not supposed to get married young. Enjoy your life. Go through everything first. And then once you're stable and ready, then you can turn to a person and say, I've tried everything else. I've experienced every joy imaginable. Now that nothing's left and my life is pretty much as max as it could be here, I'm going to look at you and say, well, I guess we better get married now. <laughs> I've already tried everything else. We, we want everything to be perfect before we take the steps that we want to take. And I'm not telling anyone to go here and get married at, at the courthouse or anything. But I'm just saying that the mindset that we have, just wait till everything's perfect, then try. Experience life. Experience all the joys of, of sin. And then at the end of your life, give your heart to God. See, we're not willing to trust anything outside of our control. We're not willing to see any great things because we're so petty. We're not willing to make any availability for other human beings. We all get back up from something at some point, but it is in the moments that we start thinking of giving up instead that becomes the most difficult times in life. It's, I always hate it when people encourage me. <laughs> Anyone else? When you feel like super low, not even like emotionally, you're just like, how the heck am I going to do this? <laughs> you don't know what to do. And then my wife, I love my wife more than anything. <laughs> One thing she, she would tell me is like, well, you just need to trust God. <laughs> Most irritating thing to ever tell me. <laughs> even worse, when she would tell me something I preached a couple weeks ago. <laughs> And they were like, well, remember when you said this? That was really good. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> but it's at the point where, like, we've all been able to have, like, little difficulties. Like, you get a flat tire, and it's like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. But what happens when you get the, you pay for the tire fix, then all the other tires go out, then your transmission goes out, and you're pretty much out of money, and you don't know how to get to work. <laughs> it's like after a, a lengthy time of, things just going bad to where it's like, I don't know if I could get up anymore. I mean, after so many knockdowns, it's, it's hard to stand back up. And it's at those moments where you start thinking, man, maybe I'm going to just lay here for a while. It's too difficult to get up again. It's at those moments where the true relentlessness inside of us has the option to shine.
That's when we really have a choice. And getting motivated after a real beatdown, especially over time, seems so far from our ability. And hope can become so foggy and hard to see after so many disappointments. But what is seen on the outside is only produce what is unseen. It's in only the moments that we are laying on the floor and no one else knows that we're on the floor. You ever have a moment like that? You ever come out of the room and you just got done crying, but you act like everything's fine? <laughs> hey, what's going on? Good to see you. <laughs> Eyes are still red. They're like, were you smoking marijuana? (laughs) No, I was just crying my eyes out. (laughs) I'm dehydrated even. Mascara got on your eyes. There you go. See, so many times we get to that point where we're so disappointed, so many letdowns. You didn't get the job. You you, you uh, You didn't achieve what you wanted to get. You didn't even get to work out that week. You messed up on your new routine. It's like every little thing, every little disappointment keeps telling you you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. But I believe that's what we do in the unseen. It's in those unseen moments that determine what's seen next. In those unseen moments, you could start hitting the steering wheel. Any steering wheel hitters in here? (laughs) It's in those unseen moments that you can do that or you could grab that steering wheel and just say, God, you're still good. You ever had those moments where you have a choice to say, God, you're good, even still, and you feel the decision because everything in you wants to say that it's not good? It's in those moments that's unseen that produces what's seen next. Because you can either stay down in misery, disappointment, discouragement, or you find that one little glimmer of hope again, even though you've been disappointed so many times. Because it's just, it just takes one time for everything to turn around. Let me read y'all a couple verses real fast. Because the Bible says that the wicked can fall once and never get up again, but the godly can fall seven times and get back over and over and over. There's a story in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 7 through 9 says, But the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me. God is talking to the prophet Ezekiel. For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. But look, I've made you as obstinate, which means stubborn, I've made you as obstinate and hard-hearted as they are. I've made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels. He's pretty much telling Ezekiel, look, I'm going to tell you to go and speak to this people, this message, but they're stubborn and they're not going to listen to you. But don't worry, kiddo. I'm going to make you just as stubborn as they are. See, I love this part of the story because life and disappointments and discouragement almost seems stubborn. (laughs) Like it just won't let up. All the wrong changes won't let up. 
And it's only when we are just as stubborn to just keep going against that current, even though everything's saying, no, you're not ready. You're not going to do it. It's not going to work. And you to just be so stubborn to say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Y'all to get what I'm saying? Now, look, this isn't advice for a marriage, right? <laughs> get in an argument with your spouse like, no, I'm going to be just stubborn as you are. <laughs> when our baby was being born, she was coming out sideways and the doctor looked up at me said, you got one stubborn kid here. I looked back at him as serious as ever, and I said, well, she gets that from both her parents. (laughs) See, imagine if you were to be just as stubborn, and what do you think about people who are stubborn? They're just stupid and stubborn. (laughs) I'm talking about a good kind of stubborn that doesn't make sense. To where reality would tell you, just give up, man. If you were to just keep trying, it would just be stupid. You've already tried this many times. If you keep going, you just, I think it's a time where you just got to call it quits, bud. But no, being stubborn takes a little bit of stupidness, right? (laughs) To where someone would tell you, why do you even believe God after all this? What are you, stupid? You can't see? No, I'm just really stubborn about my faith. (laughs) You're just willing to continue pushing after God. Even the moment that you try to start getting things right, all of hell still keeps happening. You ever have moments like that where you're like, I'm trying to do the right things, but man, it feels like everything wrong gets worse and worse. My life isn't getting any better. You got to be stubborn. Maybe even a little stupid. I want to point out the one most famous verses that you'll find on any coffee mug or wall decor. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, and it says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You could put that on a workout t-shirt. Super motivating, right? You know what? I can. Yeah. You know when Paul wrote that part? The Apostle Paul wrote that verse. He just got done explaining how he had to learn to live with nothing. How he had to learn to uh, sleep in the cold. How he had to uh, feel what it's like to be beaten for his faith. He said, "I've, I've experienced great things, but I've also experienced every horrible thing. He got just... He just got done explaining how bad of a life he's had to experience. To where he had lack, he had uh, people were trying to kill him. Points where it seemed like everyone deserted him and he was on his own. Sleeping outside, doing the Lord's work. If you guys ever let me get to a point where we're sleeping outside, I'm done. Okay? But here Paul is sleeping outside and still having church. And he says, I've experienced everything and I've learned this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, we like to see that verse and imagine that everything's going to just be okay. That that verse means that we're not going to be tired. That that verse means that we're not going to be weak. That we're going to be able to just make it through. But see, Paul just got done explaining how weak he felt. How alone he felt, how empty, how much he didn't have. 
And he says, but I can do all things through Christ. It's a different perspective. That it's not how many times life knocks us down, but how we can always get back up through Christ. The will and desire to get back up. We're going to finish on this point, sincere but not trusted. Talking about Captain America. Or are we talking about you? Steve Rogers is also overlooked and pushed over as he is not initially trusted to handle the tasks or powers or even the right judgments at hand. He is to often choose between what he believes to be right over what he has worked to achieve. He's always making sacrifices. Even when he first was willing to take hold of this experimentation in the movie right before the, when they were trying to choose candidates they were at boot camp and he had lied his way to be able to get to boot camp and they finally got so tired of him trying to join they said fine just join but you're going to die in boot camp you're not even going to make it out he was so relentless that he just kept asking and asking and trying and trying that they just got tired of it said fine I guess just go ahead you're not going to be able to do it, though. And while they were there, they wanted to do a test to try to find somebody for this, this super experiment. And there's all these men that were, all these peoples that acted like they were the part. In the scene, they made it seem like they had it all together. You ever look through people's social media stuff and it seems like their life is just great? <laughs> they, put, they make the stupidest stuff look enjoyable. I always think it's funny when I see people that put I voted and it makes it look like the funnest experience. If you've ever voted for it, it's so boring. <laughs> it's the worst experience. It's similar to the DMV. <laughs> but when you see them too, it's like, oh, wow, that's so great. They got the sticker and everything. Even the sticker looks somehow good in the picture. But when you get the sticker, it's like faded. The, the, the back end is all teared wrong. It's like, what the heck? can't even see that it says I voted and see so many times we're, we're, we're comparing ourselves in the scene but in the unseen life is horrible so what happens in this when they're trying to choose candidates the the mad scientist he, or somebody else throws out a, a grenade making everybody think that's a live grenade but it's not a real grenade and everyone else runs away and cowers in fear, trying to save their own skin. And Steve Rogers, the smallest little squirt, this shrimp of a man jumps on the grenade and is willing to sacrifice himself for the people that were making fun of them at the entire boot camp. And at that point, they're like, well, shoot. I guess we should use this guy. Because with great power comes great responsibility, right? And if he's able to be faithful with being as wimpy as he is, then I guess he could be faithful with some superpowers. And even when it came to doing the treatment, they told him you might die. But if you do live, you'll really be able to make a difference in not only the war, the war but the world. You'll be able to help stop these Nazis that are killing everybody. He said, well, if I can make any kind of difference, if there's even a chance, then I'll do it. Even when you follow the, the line all the way to Civil War, there's a point where he believed his integrity and his morals were different than
than what everybody else was doing, even his friends. He said, this isn't right. And the whole civil war is about how he chose to stick to his integrity and his character and his values rather than even join his own friends that he fought alongside. And so whether it's careers, friends, relationships, habits, anything, we eventually have to make a choice of sacrificing our conscience or our comfort. Sacrificing your conscience or your comfort. Most decisions we make are sincere, but involves giving up something to get something else. If you even think about the times that you sacrificed your conscience for the comfort, your heart was sincere, right? When you, even the time that you felt like your conscience was telling you to invite somebody to church or even pray for somebody else, the comfort end of it was, well, I don't want to possibly offend them. That's a sincere thing, right? Maybe you know that the, the influences of your friends are now having a negative effect on your desire to have a walk with God. And your conscience is saying, man, you can't keep going out like this because you keep doing things you don't want to do. Your friends aren't chasing after God like you are. But your comfort says, well, they've been my friends for so long and they were there for me for this moment or that moment. I don't want to leave them. See, it's sincere. But it's sometimes the greatest sacrifices bring about the most powerful super moments. And what I'm trying to tell you today is that your conscience, God gave you. The Bible says in the book of Romans that he gave you a conscience. Each of us have a conscience. And usually you can trust that gut feeling of when you know something is right or wrong. And so often we are so afraid, we are so afraid to compromise or sacrifice our comfort because we don't know if it's going to be a super moment after that conscience. You know, the one reason I really like superhero movies, that what I really like to see is when they humanize the superhero. Have you ever been watching the superhero movies and they start doubting themselves so much and you're like, dude, just do it. <laughs> just do it. There's a Marvel series on Netflix called The Defenders. And it was all these like many superheroes that are fighting together against this evil group. There's a point where they start trying to compromise and saying, well, maybe we should just give this guy up. Because I don't know if we could all fight them together. There's so many times that other, even the individual superhero movies, they start doubting themselves. Like, I don't know if I could really beat this person. I just need to run away. And you, from the third person, you're like, just do it. You can beat them. And it's even better when the movie shows the other people. And they're like, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about Luke Cage? Oh, man. What are we going to do about... Captain America, and everyone is just doubting themselves. If they would only get a, a whisper of the conversations their enemies are having, they'd be like, oh shoot, they're afraid too? See, I, I, get, I, I love those parts because I identify with that. I doubt myself like crazy. I second guess almost every choice I make. You should see me ordering at a drive-thru. 
I even have in my mind what I want before I get there. But then I get there and I start thinking, is that really what I want? What? Should I get, what if I get that instead? And then all of a sudden I'm all confused. I, I get so doubtful of my decisions, so confused if I'm making the right or wrong move. See, we identify with these superheroes so much. Because we don't even realize how strong we are. We don't even realize how great God's power truly is. And we're over here like, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. And the devil's on the other side like, man, I hope he doesn't do it. (laughs) And God is up there in the third perspective. Do it! (laughs) Do it! You can do this! See, we, we need to get to a point where we stop doubting ourselves so much. And that the last verse that I want to share is this. There was a, a verse in 1 Samuel that I wanted to share, but I'm going to skip it. I'm going to just want to share this last thing. It's in James chapter 4, verse 17. And it says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. We get so focused on like the bad, bad, bad stuff, right? I can't do this or I can't do that. The Bible puts so much trust on us and so much potential that it, it, do you know that God is like, He's not even concerned about you trying to be this holy person. Jesus tells you, hey, stop worrying about all the things that you, you can't do and just focus on this. All the commandments, all the teachings of the prophets can be summed up in this. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're, you're on board. You can just focus on that. The rest will come. If you just focus on that, you won't even be worried about what you have to repent of. You don't have to worry about all the bad things you can't do. And God is, he's past that and he's trying to tell you to know what you ought to do and not do it. That's sin. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today, and maybe you need a moment with God, Maybe you have something in your heart that you ought to do with Him, and that's putting your trust in Him today. Maybe your conscience is beckoning you a surrender out of your heart to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. If that's you and you're ready to make that decision today, to make yourself available to God and put your trust and your hope in Him, I want you to pray this prayer after me. First, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. If you want to surrender your heart to Christ today. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. 
Say, Lord Jesus, I put my hope in you. I make myself available to you, God. Finish the work you started in me. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.